Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Hi, this is Kyle Klarich uh, coming from the Department of Cardiology in Rochester, Minnesota in our series, Interviews with the Experts. And today I am very honored to be with Dr. Jeremy Thaden, Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Department of Cardiology. Jeremy is a expert uh, imager and spends a lot of his time in the interventional echo world, helping to guide the procedures that we're doing more and more commonly. And he has been asked to talk about the role of 3D imaging in complex structural heart disease procedures, both in the screening and in suitability and guidance of the procedures. So Jeremy, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Clarich. I appreciate it. Good to have you here. So 3D is, you know, something that we've been aspiring to for many years, probably my whole career, but it's really come into fruition, I'd say, in the last decade, especially the last three to five years, really, especially with, um, you know, intraoperative and interventional procedures that we're doing on a really routine basis that help to guide the procedures. But could you talk broadly what you think 3D adds to the structural information that we get from a regular transthoracic or transesophageal echo? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think in, in recent years, I mean, the technology has come a long way. So successive generations of probes have improved frame rate um, resolution, you know, whereas previously we were frequently had to do multi-beat acquisitions, which are a little more complicated and there's limitations. Now, f- frequently we can do a single beat acquisition and get excellent diagnostic information. But I, I think when I think about 3D and what it adds to the practice, I mean, I, th- I think about it sort of broadly in a few categories. One of the most obvious is visualization. So, you know, I think for TE, for example, if you're doing an exam of the mitral valve, you can typically understand the basic mitral pathology with a good 2D image, a good 2D examination. So you can understand there's a P2 flail, uh, maybe there's residual prolapse in other parts of the valve. But when you turn on the 3D, it, what it does is it gives you sort of a better understanding typically of more complex pathology. So it'll tell you more precisely where the flail is. Uh, it will tell you whether there's clefts on either side, and you'll get a much better understanding of where the valve is prolapsing, where it's not, which for structural procedures is pretty critical. I mean, w- these are the types of things that we rely on to understand if we're doing a edge-to-edge repair, where we're going to go with the clip and potential clip strategy. Uh, so I think it gives you a better understanding of, of really complex uh, anatomy and pathology. And then it also gives you the ability to go into these so-called MPRs or multi-planar reformatting. And so what that gives you then is really like an infinite number of imaging planes. So you can reproduce any imaging plane with a single 3D volume to see what it is you want to see. Um, and what that facilitates is uh, really more accurate quantitation. So, so you have the visualization and then MPRs are good for procedural guidance, but they also facilitate quantitation. So we can get things like valve orifice areas, uh, regurgitant orifice areas, annular areas. You can probably get better leaflet lengths, which is important for edge-to-edge repair. 
compared to 2D. So some of these measurements aren't even possible by 2D. We can do them with a high degree of precision with 3D. Great. Well, I think that's a really nice overview of the summary that, uh, <clears throat> you know, the echocardiographers are providing guidance to especially our interventional cardiologists. But we, as you know, here at Mayo, we use it in the intraoperative arena too. And I know our surgeons have become more and more akin to seeing that 3D image before they open the chest, you know, and they want to know That's exactly right. what's going on with the valve. So it, it provides a strategy. Who do you think should be doing the screening and the procedural guidance for structural heart disease procedures? I think this is a really good question. I mean, I, I think um, it's going to vary from institution to institution, and I think it's different based on screening versus the procedural guidance. So for screening, our practice is that for screening structural procedures, these are done by experienced, basically level three advanced training uh, echocardiographers who have experience in structural heart disease. But I think you have to understand that's not possible everywhere, right? So I think it is important, obviously, that the physicians or sonographers for that matter, who are involved in the T's and the TTEs screening these patients have a basic level of training. But then I think the the keys for screening are that you have to really have an understanding of the procedure. You have to have an understanding of some of the anatomic limitations uh, for each procedure um, so that you can acquire the appropriate images. But I think for screening, the other thing that can be helpful is to have access to raw images. So again, kind of coming back to the 3D thing, what, what's nice about 3D is that echoes a, a modality where if a 2D image isn't acquired at the time of the study, unfortunately, you have to go back and get it. You know, unlike CT or MRI where they can reformat, well, 3D is fairly similar. So if you have access to a good 3D image, then actually you can go back and, and reformat later. So that can be an advantage maybe at a facility where a structural echocardiographer can't do every single study, but maybe other echocardiographers have experience doing it, they're comfortable with the procedure. But then if you have access to the 3D, you can always go back and make measurements later. I think procedural guidance is a little bit different. There is a consensus document out there on what kind of experience, what kind of training is needed to guide these procedures. So I what I would say is there's definitely a learning curve. There's not a, a lot of data on what is the learning, like how many studies do you need to, to really perform these procedures at a high level. But there are sort of empiric recommendations that you should be involved in about 75 of these procedures and a variety of procedures before you're practicing independently. Of course, the limitation is that, you, you know, the volumes may be variable at different institutions. Uh, so that has to be taken into account also. I would say generally for the for guidance of these procedures, you'd want to be level three trained and have some specific training in these procedurals, in, in these procedures themselves, preferably 75 procedures with uh, an experience in a variety of them. Great. I think what I heard you say, and I think this is really key for the audience to understand, is that 3D now is becoming a lot closer to what we get with CT with using ultrasound. And that if, if we understand that, we can gather the data and then slice it and dice it at a later date. And I think that's one of the big things that We've been able to do at Mayo that's really made our practice successful is that we've all of our echocardiographers that are in the lab will be able to obtain a 3D volume set. And then, you know, whether or not you have time or the patient's comfortable enough to do some of these complex measurements 
at the time of the actual procedure or whether you store them and come back later and then do some of the slicing and dicing, as you say, to get different data available. So I think that's a really key point is that with the advent of uh, really good 3D, which we have now with higher frame rates, with better you know, usability, the user interfaces have gotten simpler and with um, more uh, experience with it, we become very close to what we can get with a CT scan. That's absolutely right. And even transthoracic, particularly for, for the tricuspid valve has come a long way. I mean, these procedures may not always be on our radar, you know, the first time we image a patient. Uh, but if we have a good 3D volume, we can always go back and say, you know, how big was the annulus? Is the valve going to fit? Or how long are the leaflets do we think, you know, edge to edge might work? Uh, so so I think it, having that raw data to access later is really, really helpful. And then the other thing I think you said, uh, and I would agree with that, is the American Society of ECHO and the American College of Cardiology have worked together to come up with training guidelines. Um, gosh, I think they're about four years old now, but they're pretty, um, it was best guesses at the time, but I think they'll probably be revamped. But for anyone who's listening as a program director, good idea to think about those things as we're developing training guidelines for level three and interventional echo as, as trainees are going through. I'm old enough to know you have to learn some of this stuff on the fly <laughs> and not go through a training program. And that brings me to another one, a question though. You referred to getting, you know, how do you get good at 3D? You know, how do you get the training? And we referred to, yes, what you do as a fellow, but what do you do if you're practicing cardiologists and your interventional group now wants you to provide that, that guidance for their interventional procedures? but you really haven't got time to step away from your practice or whatever to, to learn. Have you seen people be successful in learning the skill set without going through a formal training program or other shortened training programs? What would you suggest around that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's this is probably one of the questions I get asked more than anything. But I think that, you know, there are a lot of resources available. So, you know, whether it's, you know, in, in-person conferences, virtual conferences, textbooks. So I will say we have a number of CME conferences and and basically there's 3D talks at pretty much every every one. I mean th- and and I think there's there's certainly growing interest as the technology has improved and we see how useful it is for certain indications, there's a lot of growing interest. So I think those are great options. And I think the good part about those is, you know, for instance, you can go to a conference, you can interact with experts. What's nice about going to some of these or having dedicated time to see them is is that you're able to step away from oftentimes what is a busy clinical practice and dedicate your attention to actually learning something. For those who are really interested in the details, I would say, you know, there are a number of textbooks out there I would say one that was recently published, uh, Dr. Malouf was one of the editors along with Dr. Felitra and Dr. Asservatham. It's called 3D Practical 3D Echocardiography, which is an excellent book. I mean, it's just a remarkably detailed and anything you want to do with 3D is going to be in that book. Books may not be for everybody, but if if you learn well that way, that's a, a, a fantastic um, resource. And then another thing that we've done periodically here is often industry will support hands-on training. So whether, you know, if you have a certain vendor for your ultrasound systems, they'll frequently uh, support hands-on training, uh, whether that's a rep coming to your site uh, to help with nobology or getting out the computers and the software. And I think that can be really helpful too for those who don't have a lot of experience. 
But then I think regardless of what you do after that or before, you know, for that first part, the key then is to keep doing it. You have to sort of be active and intentional and keep working on it because what happens inevitably is if you don't have a busy structural practice or you're in a very busy echo lab where 3D isn't done routinely, you may only do it every couple of weeks or every month, and then the skill is going to be lost. So you have to sort of intentionally do it on a regular basis uh, to become sort of facile. And then when you actually need it, you'll be able to do it. To me, I, that's probably one of the biggest limitations is we're all so busy. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. And I also think just my experience in the last week of trying to learn some new software, not on the Echo machine so much, but all of these skills that we have that are we're interfacing with technology, uh, repetition, muscle memory, and, and those types of things are so important, as you point out. Well, I think that that really covered this topic well, and I'm wondering if there's any last comments you'd like to make about how we use 3D to guide structural heart procedures at Mayo Clinic to uh, leave our audience with. Well, I think we have learned, and it's been really interesting to see the, because I think it's been sort of a coevolution, you know, between the structural heart procedures as we've, as we've seen the procedures grow, we've seen 3D evolve with it, which has been really cool. And so, you know, initially it was mitre clip or edge to edge repair. And that was kind of where we, I think, really used, started using more complex 3D. And now as we've moved into the tricuspid procedures, it's really been critical. I mean, we, we probably couldn't do these procedures successfully without 3D in a lot of cases. Uh, so it's been really fun to see the two kind of co-evolve and the imaging support the procedure and, and really to play an act. So I, I think that, that's one thing that's really been, been fun from a clinical standpoint. And, and it's been gratifying to see patients do well with these procedures. You've been a leader in our group on this, and I really appreciate all the effort that you've put in, and thank you for taking time out of your busy practice today to share some of your thoughts on the use of 3D imaging in the cardiac structural practice. And we'll definitely get you back to talk more about the tricuspid valve <laughs> evolving, but have a great day, and thank you very much. And to our audience, thank you for taking time out of your day uh, to spend with us talking to the experts. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.